Blog Talk Radio. Radio program. I'm Susan Larison Dams, and today I am just so delighted to welcome you all back. And I think that you're going to find that today's show is going to really start bringing this show into an area where I feel it's being guided to go. And I, if I could best characterize what that area is, it really has to do with coming, I don't even know if I want to say coming to terms, but with exploring, exploring the ambiguity. That is what I feel the core purpose of this show is. This show has never existed to provide absolutes. And sometimes it has a tendency to do that. And although I'm happy to bring on a wide variety of people, I really feel that where this show is heading is a much deeper exploration of who we are, who we are as ourselves and culturally. And I can think of no better guest than someone I'm about to bring on the line in just a moment, who whose work explores this just so beautifully. And I I so believe in the concept of synchronicity because having this person appear at this time is very significant to me. And let me tell you just a little bit about the guest that I'm going to bring on the line in a moment. Mary Ellen Tron is um, self-described as a philosophical theologian and is also a professional therapist, although I find it very interesting that many of the descriptions that I find of Mary Ellen use that first term, philosophical theologian. But I have to add professional therapist just because, my goodness, she has had such a depth of experience working with people, and in doing so has really come to an understanding of things that I think is really valuable for us to listen to as to how we go about pursuing authenticity in real life, best way that I can characterize it. And her book is called Living Well, Living Wise, Thriving Beyond Our Fashionable Stories. And I have to say that that title can't even begin to convey the work that this book is doing with me that is just beginning to be underway. This is not a book that you rush through. This is something that you're going to spend time with, and I'm going to need to even spend more time with it because it is an exploration. Um, Mary Ellen has studied many things, theology, philosophy, psychology, and what I see that she is doing here is really getting to the center, getting to the center of what can assist us as a community and as individuals in the midst of, you know, what one would call just human experience. The richness and complexity of being human is a way that it's described. Mary Ellen's website is livingwise. Dot com, and I invite you to explore that. And I am going to bring 
Mary Ellen on the line right now. Welcome, Mary Ellen. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for inviting me. I really feel that what you're exploring here, Mary Ellen, calls us. It's calling out to so many of us, and and you capture something really important here. And I I probably, you know, you talk about emotion in your work, and I'm probably going to approach this show somewhat emotionally because it's almost impossible not to because of what you're capturing here. And um, I, I guess the the best way to to launch this conversation, perhaps, is is simply to ask you, Mary Ellen, is how did you enter into this exploration and and the the honesty of of really talking to us about about how you know what what seems to, to where we're we're kind of being led astray in some ways and how we can find authenticity. Well, Susan, um, you know, I guess I've been an explorer all my life um, in terms of authentic living, um, even as a child. <laughs> that was yeah. that was on my mind a lot and on my heart. Um, and as I got older, that's one of the reasons I decided to take up the academic study of a combination of philosophy, theology, and psychology um, to better investigate. Um, exactly what it's what this human experience is like, um, and how we can do it better, how we can find joy, where we grieve and are vulnerable, all sorts of things. Yeah. And then um, I started working with clients, and I've been doing that for 30 years. And um, as both a therapist and a workshop leader, yeah. and it really struck me, I guess it was probably around the year 2000, um, that we as a culture were getting pretty far off track in terms of um, feeling diminished as human beings, turning to turning, turning so much to uh, a diagnosis of mental health, for example, um, turning to medications, although my book isn't about medications, it's more about yeah. the turning to diagnoses. Um, and, so, and so that became a passion for me, actually. It's like, whoa, it sort of launched me on a mission to observe and reflect and uh, work with my clients from the perspective of what's going on in this culture that we've gotten so far off track from being connected to uh, realities that are transcendent and realities that call us out of ourselves yes yes you know as as i was reading your book mary ellen i think that that you know we all have many of us we have this feeling of the miraculous and 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 wanting to embrace that in our lives and to believe in in stories that help us incorporate the miraculous and and even our own experience as we observe it. Yet, yet, something that I feel that that you do explore is is how of these quick these quick approaches, you know, the the different the the tools to to self-help, the self-improvement movement that's out there. It I have been trying to get at this for a while. I did a real honest show um, some weeks ago that I don't even know if many people listen to about really exploring this business of co-creation versus God's will because there's Uh. this notion that you can just make everything. Because I was raised a Christian, and so I had this notion of God's will. And and this is a long question, but there is a – I feel it everywhere. I just came from a giant expo, a giant new thought expo, totally about that. And yet you feel it everywhere, this feeling of, hey, you know, life isn't going totally the way that I think it it should be. (laughs) You know, what is that? And people are starting to acknowledge that, like, oh, my God, you know, there's this, this like, like the whole Trump movement. You know, a lot of the people are very 
very um, liberal politically. And, you know, how could it be that we're having this happen right now? Where's our perfect world? You know, and and I see people approaching this in different in different ways as to how to understand this. But okay, very long question. But you know, I'm I'm I just see it. I see it everywhere, and it can lead to real frustration because it seems like the simple tools. Hey, you know, they're not they're not working. <laughs> and and right. I've been one to doubt in those tools for a long. I'm always a questioner, no matter where I am. I just questioned. I was a questioning fundamentalist. I think you say it on a page about fundamentalism, that we look for fundamentalism in a lot of ways, and I'm seeing that. So, okay, very long introduction. I'm going to let you talk now, because what you boring here helps us to better understand our world. And Susan, I'm glad you brought it, our, our conversation around to self-help. Yes, as you know, that's a big part of uh, of what my message is, so to speak, in my book, um, and the one of the ways that we get off track is is to be is to think that we can create ourselves in our world from our what I call small egos, yeah. um, rather than tuning in, as you say, to God's will um, or to you know sacred realities and however whatever form they take. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was, that was actually. For sure, one of the things that that propelled me on this mission is like you noticing everywhere. I mean, in every area of our lives, we're being told that we can, if we just follow these quick steps or you know these uh, definite steps, we can get to a, a definite outcome, and that outcome will be some kind of perfection or happiness or where we're supposed to be. But it's not happening for anybody, for any of us, doing it that way. Well, and there's a very dark side to this, too, in that the people who subscribe fully to this can't be honest about their lives. I, oh, I, you know, I, I've seen this more than once because, you know, if something's not going right in your life, well then, you know, what are you doing wrong? And, and a lot of times, right. you know, you can get some expert, you talk a lot about experts who will then preach mm-hmm. to you the gospel of of whatever that is and 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 it 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 causes us to divorce ourselves from true authenticity as human beings experiencing real life in a world that's a, a real world a real world yes you know i just read a quote the other day from lenny bruce the comedian uh-huh and the quote is um here in America, we're we're all um, trained to believe in happy endings. If we were helped to understand along the way what is rather than happy endings, we'd all be a lot less screwed up. You know, I think that this is where, and this talk, I have a feeling today our conversation is really going to be an exploration because you've just looked at this in ways that I haven't quite I've, I've yearned to see someone look at look at some of these topics in such an honest way and you have far more background in in how some of these things came to be um and and you explore that in in your book the the history of how we came to where we are and this is yet another long question because it's really easy Mary Ellen to then just kind of drop all the miraculous parts, you know, which which you know is true. I mean, I know that miraculous things happen. I've seen miraculous things happen. And so it's not so simple as just, you know, abandoning the sacred, because that's what what can quickly happen. But you have this experience of the sacred, and yet we want to predict it. We want to put, we want to form it to, to this simplified model and that's just not really the way it works. Right. And that's the, the trying to form it and manage it is part yes. of our suffering, I think, yes. right now. Yes. Yes. And now, the, now and, and, no, yeah, I don't, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I want you to, to I, I'd like you to, to, to form a response because I feel you can. Uh, well, I, I was just going to add, um, as you know, one of the things that, that I talk about in my book as 
um, as an important sort of replacement, so to speak, for for all of our efforts to manage and control and predict experience, yes. is is a kind of open-hearted attunement. Yes. To what we encounter, a, a very yes. open-hearted attunement to what we encounter, which takes practice. Yes. Yes. Um. And and I feel like you you also acknowledge the presence of the mystical and that, you know, I I have to feel that that my own experience has had less to do with fundamental rules or fundamental philosophies than than allowing the mystical to transform me. I mean, although I suppose that in itself is a movement that you talk about, you know, that, that people have explored in the past as well, but, but, um, there is happiness accessible to us. I mean, you do not, you're not saying that, that we can't obtain joy through the sacred. It, it, it's right. not quite that either. No, not at all. In fact, I firmly believe that we can. Um, yes. We just have to be aware, um, you know, besides my academic training, I've been pretty much a lifelong spiritual practitioner. I was raised very yeah. Catholic and yeah. was a very good little Catholic and uh-huh. was a little mystic as a Catholic, for sure, um, and have been a mystic all my life and have have and spiritual practices have been a huge part of my life, not just Catholic yeah. and not just Christian-oriented, but um, Buddhist in particular, Tibetan Buddhist much of the time. Um, and so I know the importance of practices in order to help us sort of build spiritual muscles and attunement muscles, but there, you know, with the but is those two, those, as you say, those, those sort of uh, contexts, can themselves solidify and people begin to think that it's a formula again. And, and that's it, is that, um, let's see, I, I'm, I'm wanting to enter, there is such, you know, there, there is, a, your book is a very rich tapestry, and I'm still integrating, I, I probably, I have many notes here, and I wanted to somehow approach this. I think perhaps the, the, the thing to talk about right now and this will also bring back in the theme that you talked about of diagnoses, which many of us have encountered. Um, I, I'm happy to quickly say that, that after I had a baby, I had trouble sleeping because my baby wouldn't sleep. <laughs> and um, I immediately, you know, the first thing they want to do is give you a pill. And that's exactly yeah. what happened to me. And that's how I entered into that. And it took me a while really to get out of that but so i have a personal experience which which is kind of a visceral and, and you know it's not it it led to some real challenges for me and i i as much as it may have seemed to help and i don't want to get too much into that but i relate to that and i know many of the listeners relate to something that has happened and so the question that i wanted to pose here is what is a pilgrim a very important term in your book versus being considering oneself a patient. What does it mean to consider oneself a pilgrim and to work with someone to help you to bring that out to that understanding of oneself as a pilgrim? Right, and that, as you know, that's the, that distinction is the main metaphor for my book. Um, yes. So what what I see in our culture at large is so much emphasis on um encouraging us to be patient. And one of the things I mean by that is not just not just patience in sort of a medical physical sense, right. but patience in a psychological sense. Um yes. and to to um to believe that the way to find happiness or peace is to find the best um, management techniques, yeah. and and techniques techniques are very sort of tightly controlled uh, things. So, for example, if you if you're depressed, if you have a, 
a diagnosis of depression, there's a well-charted path that you're supposed to follow. Yes. Uh, yes. If you have a diagnosis of anxiety, there's a well-charted path that you're supposed to follow. Um, and and um, and it's all about managing, and which, again, to me, comes back to sort of a control and prediction model. Um, so, so, so managing, I think, has again, become part of our suffering. And so yeah. what I'm trying to bring out is the idea of moving away from thinking of ourselves as needing to manage ourselves and manage our experience and manage each other um, and to open ourselves into what I, I use the word porous. Um, uh-huh. And what I mean by that is that, that instead of holding ourselves tightly with this prediction and control model, yeah. that we allow things we allow like like nature we allow the world we allow other people to infiltrate our being because really and truly we are all in a web of being from my point of view we're not little individuals running around trying to manage ourselves we're in a web of being and the way out of our suffering one way out of our suffering would be to open ourselves more and attune ourselves more to being in the web to being responsive yeah. to others and to nature and that sort of thing, um, and not trying to control and predict, and to know that as as you and I just talked about a little while ago, that life is very messy. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. And and you know, and yet there's there's design within it. You know, this is what it's so easy at this point to to lose track of the miraculous. And right. And some people who may approach your book at first may say, "Wait a minute, you know this this doesn't acknowledge the miraculous," or, or but it does. I mean, it, it, it especially as it flows, it really comes into play. Is that it's not that there isn't that that element. It's just that it's much richer and more complex. And 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 something I've started to observe, and I have seen many of the more heartful. Thinkers, people, there are people, I don't want to label people as heartful or not, we're all heartful in one way or another. I am finding more right. people are awakening to these questions, I guess. And they become questions. They do, because you start to see that, wait a second, you know, there's kind of a continuum here because, you know, I'm not in control of everything. And actually, it doesn't make any sense that you would be. I, I've thought this for a long time, is that we're not just an I, in the world we're a we right. so right. i can't i can't impose a reality on you and yet your reality may impact mine <laughs> you know i it, it's right. not you know we're together in the world right and, and so that and i feel that comes out is that we're losing sight of community in our world because we become so focused on on self Yes, and community in a large sense, which would include the miraculous, actually, for me. Yes, um, yes. So community in the in the sense of um, really feeling, feeling, experiencing at a deep level our interconnection. Yes. yes. And locating ourselves there. And that doesn't mean that we, we don't have uh, freedom and responsibility as individuals, but... Yes. But the sort of complement to that certainly is um, to open ourselves to our our communion in a miraculous and grace-filled way, to really open ourselves and be responsive. Yes, something that I'm observing a lot right now, and... um, I, I have this deep feeling of, of how important it is right now that we attempt to understand one another better. Because right now, I even started it, I started the show in a way, in a somewhat polarized way when I talk about, you know, politically what's going on right now. and And yet, deep down, having come from a conservative background, I have a pretty deep understanding of why people tend to think a certain way without judging, you know, because I can see that. I can see these people as real people. They're not stereotypes. They're not caricatures to me. They're real people. 
And I think that um, part of the problem that we're having right now in terms of, and this comes out in your book, how it's towards the, you know, looking at the diversity, the diverse perspectives, is that if we can begin to see the people at the center and maybe and their cultural influences as well, that really carries healing for us. That's how we go forward, not by stereotyping or, or you know, that we need, there's something there. That's where we find community is in that mutual, doesn't have to be we all agree, but it's mutual okay. understanding of, oh, my gosh, now I understand why you believe the way you do. That kind of understanding. Right, right, and um, certainly the political arena is is right now is one place where we're all witnessing um, yeah. positions like crazy and, and a yeah. lack of understanding, and we need so yeah. much healing there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we could. I mean, the world we live in is just full of oppositions and violence, and um, yeah, we need so much healing in the direction of experiencing ourselves as connected yes. and, and, and appreciating diverse perspectives. Yes. Well, it's part of the messiness, and, and I, I really do feel that, um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a point that I kind of um, hovered on in your book just because it's something that I've thought about a lot is, is, um, is this notion of fundamentalism and how it arises yes in a lot of ways and and um it it doesn't mean that we can't change. I mean there's change in in life, but but we can find I think we can grow a better world the more that we understand um you know that we move away from from that notion and the sacred is a little more fuzzy, <laughs> that's my word, than than yes. fundamentalism. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We, we live in a. I mean, I I think I don't. I, I'd be interested to hear what you think, but I, uh-huh. I, it, it sometimes feels like we live in a world of fundamentalisms clashing with each other, with each other all yeah. over the place. We we do, and you know, I have I, I've been working on on well, one of these days, I hope to write my own book. It may come out sooner rather than later if I keep feeling this way because. I think that I'm particularly sensitive. Although I don't want to, I don't want to put myself on a pedestal, because I came from what is often called fundamentalism, or, or partly. I mean, even that, it's hard to explain. It's hard to characterize even what fundamentalism is. But um, I think, you know, coming from one strict belief system helps me to identify other strict belief system. They tend not to respond to true human life. <laughs> I mean, I guess right. that the, 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 the way that they tend to be is they have these rich, and then they cause tremendous suffering because the people who adhere to these things can never be real. They can't be real. I mean, that's what you encourage is being real, is finding yeah. finding what that is. Because if you can't be yeah. real, within a belief system, then you're in a belief system that is not really accurately mapping um, what it's like to be human. And and you need to, to really maybe merge multiple ways of that. I, mean, I think a lot of people are, you know, maybe one way of thinking isn't it. You know, you have to, to find, you have to explore, you have to be a pilgrim <laughs> to, right. to find right. what works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And part of you know, I, as as you know, but I just want to note right here, part of the the uh, part of what goes along with the image of the pilgrim is um, seeing life as a dance. Oh, um, I love that. Yes. Yeah. So it's a dance of definitely light and dark and comic and tragic and and yes. just and just a dance, the dance of energies. Um, and that certainly is being part of a pilgrim is is, see, is experiencing life as a dance. Yes. Yes, and you know the the thing, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that in itself leads to happiness. Sometimes it leads to comic relief. Like like this morning, I was dealing with um, an elderly dog who had an issue, <laughs> and and mm-hmm. I had to deal with it. It involved cleaning up a mess, um, <laughs> and so yeah. it was literal messiness. <laughs> and and you sometimes you can begin to think, okay, you know, 
what else can happen? Sometimes it can be pretty serious. Like last year, I had a family member, very dear to me, had a very serious health issue that I talked about on this show. That changed me forever. And yet in the midst of that, I had one of my most sacred experiences ever. Um, And, um, you know, it was there for a reason and yet very messy. (laughs) Right. and and so i think that you know part of part of the context it, it really what you're helping us to see i feel is how do we we reach a level of honesty with with our experience and um i i think that that i can't even begin to describe how helpful that can be um to to find that and I think we're only just beginning to find that and that's part of it that's it's part of the messiness <laughs> it is and thank you for saying that and that because that is you know in a way sort of the bottom line for me to be for us all to be honest and honest in uh-huh. a um, humble responsive yes. way really 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 be honest about um, who we are what's going on what we hope for in life, where we're headed, all all of that sort of thing. You know, as we as we head into the second half of this show, I'm going to retrace again. Actually, I'm going to return to some of my notes from your book because I want to explore many, many of us, probably a good majority of us, have at some point found ourselves talking to a counselor. And something mm-hmm. that I feel that you express right at the beginning is you know, this notion of the confessional or how we come in with certain expectations um, or we've been yeah. given, you know, people are given diagnoses or, or you know, you have this feeling of, of, you know, can you explore as best you can, um, okay, how do I frame this? Not just the confessional, but also this feeling of exploring wounds. I know there's a long history behind this, how we came to this place. You know, looking at our wounds, looking at our traumas, and how we we come in to relationship with a therapist often, you know, just with all these expectations that have, that we've been taught, even if we've never right. seen one before. Right. Well, so there's sort of two levels there for me. One level is the the level of um, we we're just you know we're saturated with images on TV and the internet and in magazines and in all sorts of places, Um, uh, images of what mental health looks like and what it should look like. Um, And so so much of that is contained in diagnostic uh, language these days. Um, So so for me, that's one of the starting points for my book was that you know? I just it just really struck me that people were coming in when they came in to see me, um, and I would ask them why they were, what brought them there, what what was what was troubling them. They would immediately um, story based on something, a, a diagnosis, or you know, like I'm codependent, or yeah. um, I'm a child of alcoholic parents, or something. These these sort of abstractions were the were the very beginning of their stories. Um, so, so one of the things that, that, that I recognized that I needed to do, and that's part of what the book is about, is to move, to help people move away from the abstractions into a more mm, concrete sort of lived reality, you know, sort of what is that, what does that mean, you're codependent, you know, really, what does that mean, let's, let's explore what that really is all about in terms of your lived experience and who you are and what your relationships look like. So that, so there was there's that. The other thing that, that I noticed, that, and this seems to be a huge part of our culture, is that we are sort of trained to believe that there's this big uh, narrative of wounding and healing um, yeah. and that we need to locate ourselves, we need to locate our wounds, that inevitably we're all wounded. And we, as human beings, we are wounded but not yeah. necessarily in the sense that um, it's become a char- character defect or it's uh, become something that defines us, our identities, and our lives. Um, it's just being human means we're fragile and vulnerable and do get hurt along the way. Um, yeah. 
so but 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 it's become so the story has become sort of solidified as we're we're wounded in a way that that we may not ever be able to overcome <clears throat> we need to really um find techniques to address wounds um to heal and the healing often uh is not about letting go of the wounds but sort of like hanging on to the wounds but then feeling like you're healed but then not quite healed and you have to keep uh-huh. going and so it's so uh-huh. it's like being stuck in this wounding and healing narrative that we're surrounded by yes yes you know i i have to say that that i can personally attest that you know this notion of of exploring where we came from i mean i guess mm-hmm. in some way it can be helpful in its own way i mean i know that you talk about and i'm not even sure i completely understand and maybe you can explain this better so that so that i will how how we can come into relationship with our past in a healthy way the past the present and the future because I know you talk about that, and I know personally I have been helped in exploring some traumas and, and kind of getting it out. And I know that I've been healed from some things mm-hmm. that have been really troubling. And so I know it helps, and yet at the same time we can sometimes cling, I think, to these models of the wound, and then we become victims for a very long time if that's right. all that we see is where our wounds. Right, and that's... That's I would agree totally that that it's it's important to understand where we came from in our history. Um, yeah, I'm very much of a historian for sure. <laughs> yeah, you uh, are. Believer, yeah, <laughs> and believer in, in in the importance of understanding history. What what I what I think happens sometimes though in the model that that we're dealing with in this culture is that the past becomes kind of a trap. And yeah. Um, it's not just about exploring sort of how we got here, but it's like it's like, oh, I'm trapped by my past, or I find blame somewhere in my past, and that's how we become victims. And um, so, so to explore the past and understand where we came from seems very important. But then, not to get stuck there, and not to see it as uh, sort of a it's almost like the past is some kind of enemy in the culture at this point that yeah. you have to overcome. Um, so not to see the past as an enemy, but as as absolutely part of who we are and what we carry along as we get older. I'm almost 64 right now, so I have a pretty long past, and uh-huh. I mean, I, I mean, I, and I can look back <laughs> and see, you know, sort of what I've been carrying along and what what things uh-huh. have helped shape me and, and all of that, and that's important. But I don't want to be. I don't want. I, I don't want to be see myself as a victim of my past. Yes. Yeah. No, I I think that that um, you know many of us have had something that we would call trauma. You know that others would yeah. say, yeah, that's trauma. Right. <laughs> However, you want to label that. I mean, everybody has some degree, but you know, some pretty pretty traumatic experiences, and I think that. We can get stuck there. I, 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 and and I think that there are ways that are out there when you explore that do help you to to heal or to to move out of that space. And I think that that you you help us to understand that better as well. I think that's what is that we don't have to to keep all of our focus on on whatever those wounds are, but we can still find healing through exploration. Right. Exactly. Yes. And, and you know, one of the things I'm actually writing about these days is the um, the the idea that there's no human life without loss, and thus no home, yeah. human life without grief. And that, for me, dovetails with conversations about trauma too. It's kind of the, you know, conversations about trauma are so often conversations about loss. Yeah. And grief. And by opening up, by opening up the conversation in that direction, um, I'm hoping that, that that helps healing. I'm hoping that that moves things along in the direction of healing and not feeling so trapped by trauma. Yeah. Well, what I hear you saying is it's a form of acceptance of saying, "Oh, you know, 
this is being human. Even as I say it, I feel, um, I can feel the transformational feeling of just saying that, that, that this is being human, you know, and bringing that in, that it's okay to be human, <laughs> you know, that, that we right. have these things. And whatever they are, it's our rich experience. And it's what, you know, even celebrate, yes, this is, this is being human. Even even the challenges, um, especially yeah. the challenges. It's it's yeah. being human. And I think that um, you know something you do explore. Actually, there's something I want to explore before we move on from this. Is okay. You talk about. I want to better understand the notion of the expert. You know, I think that that's a very important thing that you talk about and how, and I want to explore it from the point, you know, are we, are we disempowering ourselves? Is that the, or am I looking at it? I I don't know when, when, you know, where is, is, where do we find the balance, Mary Ellen, when, when working with someone who, who has wisdom, who can help us, who has experience and yet not in a disempowering way. Right. And that seems very, that balance it seems so important. I'm glad you're pointing to that. Yeah. Because um, yeah. c- we certainly have a, have had a tendency to get out of balance with regard to that, and to to turn to experts um, yeah. in a disempowering way. Very, you know, often. I mean, I I find that with with people that I that not just my clients, but just sort of you know, out and about in the world and, you know, just seeing what's going on in the culture that there, there, there's a lot of disempowerment. And a part of the disempowerment becomes a loss of a sense of um, responsibility, sort of turning things over to the expert. Yeah. Um, and, and it's important to me to reinstate ability as a very important feature of being human. And... Um, but then the other side of it, as you say, the balance is to um, find guides, to yeah. find people that's, that's with wisdom, to trust word. people with wisdom, yeah, yeah and yeah. to um, to learn. To, to, you know, we all need to learn, absolutely. Um, so we need to learn in a way that, that is empowering, that encourages us to um, find ways to make good choices and to be responsible and to be more mature. Um, so it's it, it's it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah, I love that word guide because to me it it, it emphasizes community in the sense that you know we're going to run across people on our paths who genuinely help us, you know, and we can genuinely help people too. You know, we we all are in these. You know, I think that many of us, um, as we get older, and I'm in my early 50s, as we grow more and more, we find ourselves in in that mutual role where we're we're giving and receiving. You know that that we're that and that that we can be a guide, and and we're also being guided. And sometimes in the same same relationship, you know, and and yes. I think that that's the beauty <laughs> of life is is how. Um, you know, we can, but we can do this without becoming disempowered. And something in your book that does come out is how we do have a tendency to look for the expert or the guru or, you know, and just, and that can be very unsatisfying because they don't tend to, to really satisfy what what you seek. Right, exactly. And and, and it becomes, um, so so um, out of balance again, in the sense that, that, that the, the expert or the guru has the power, so to speak, um, and the person seeking counsel from the expert or the guru um, sort of loses their own sense of their power and their agency and their ability yeah. to make choices and, and, and live their lives. Um, all right. I, you know, something that... Um, that you explore. Well, I guess I suppose we've already kind of covered this. Is that, but, but I think that you know maybe you know this is technically a talk show in a way, although it's not quite like like um, Dr. Phil or Oprah or something like that. It tends to, to be, and actually, I do bring on a lot of experts, so to speak. And you know, you you have. I mean, my intro. That it's not just you, but. I've been really guided, even when I started this show, is 
gosh, I am just so guided to better explore the ambiguity. I mean, I think that's the best way I can put it. You know, what you might call messiness or, you know, not just present a parade of experts. I mean, I want to present a parade of explorers. (laughs) Yes. And I don't want to even call it a parade. I want to call it, you know, let's all be a community and have a conversation and explore together. I mean, that's where I'd like to see. That's what I always felt um, was the charter for the show. And it gets off course, you know. And so I think that there's a part in your book that got to me a little bit where we talk about talk shows. And you know what? No matter what, whoever's coming on the, a talk show, whether it's someone expressing some really challenging experience or whether it's a so-called expert, you can't capture it in an hour. I mean, it, right. it, it's an exploration. And I just want us to enter into more dialogues, not just the show, but in general. And I know you're involved in greater groups doing exactly this. Um, because that's what we need to do. We need to be explorers together, and I feel that you invite us to do this. I do. You know, I I don't use that word, but I will from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes, I love that. Explorers, absolutely. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I don't know if I can fully claim it. Um, it may have been used by by some other exploring guests on this show as well. But um, but that's when I feel, you know, I think that part of, um, I put on the label of this show fulfillment, and that's kind of a dangerous word. I'm not sure I'm going to keep that. This whole show page may change. You know, I have I have the right to change the description for any show. And because yeah. I think that this notion of fulfillment, it looks like it's complete. You know, I'm fulfilled now then check that off. Right. It's, it's not it's not like that. But but there is this notion and I think that, that something that that all counselors, all people that all guides are helping us to do is to navigate the paths of our lives so that we're really doing the work and we're being creative in the world in the way that really feeds our souls and, and that we feel like we're helping community at the same time. I mean, I think that many of us are guided in this way. And that's where this notion of exploring comes up because I think that when we honestly look at things, it's very important. And so I'm gonna, I, I want to bring this back to another question for you because I know that you really deeply explore authenticity and and. Yeah. I can't even quite define it in the way that you do. And I would love for you to spend a little bit of more time with just, you know, what does it mean to live authentically? Right. And, um, you know, one, I guess part of what it means is um, to step away from the belief that we can um, radically create ourselves as separate individuals um, so that part, yeah, I guess I've been struck by the, the cultural uh, idea that kind of floats around that authenticity does have something to do with uh, personal power and um, something that we create personally. So it is, it is about creating and it is about a way of being but it's 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 a recognition that um we can't from our small selves create totally we have choices to make and we have responsibility but we can't we can't be the whole show so to speak um so so to be authentic for me is is not to try to to um to do it from a small self perspective but to transcend that perspective and you know the way i describe it in my book is to to to, to actually seek ex- excellence and good yeah. a good life good living good responsive living um yeah. by cultivating i'm going to use the word virtue which i know a lot of people go what virtue but so it's like yeah. cultivating the ways of being building habits of ways of being that build momentum build momentum in the direction of um, living a good life for ourselves and in our relationships and our communities in the world. Yes. 
Yes. Yes, that word virtue is is not easily defined because right. um, you know, it, it feels gosh, you know, it, it 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 has to do to to many of us. I mean, if you're in community, I mean, it's it's true honoring of oneself and one another and the sacred. I mean, I think I feel and yet we have a tendency to have come with all this baggage, you know, you came from a Catholic background, I came from an evangelical perspective, and that baggage can come from other places. I don't want to necessarily give that baggage too much weight, I have to be careful, but I think that no. word <laughs> virtue is one of those words that is so difficult to define because people have attempted to label it in certain ways, fundamental ways. Right, and that's, that is the danger of it, and that's what, why I sort of hesitated, you know, as that's you know, I use right. it in my book, but Right, and I, I even hesitated in my book because it was yeah. like, you know, I'm sh- because people, I'm like, oh my God, people are going to have this knee jerk response to it being kind of a fundamentalism here. Um, there's a much more, um, let's see, what would, there's, there's a much more open way of understanding virtue yeah. as, um, for example, take, you know, courage is a virtue, for example, and so we all, well, you know, your show is about living beyond the frontier of fear. So we as human beings um, experience a lot of fear all the time because we're so vulnerable and fragile. And so fear is a part of being human, and we're trying to learn what it would be like to be able to feel the fear and yeah. live with the fear, but also move through the fear um, into, a, into a place of more of, of joy but so part of, for me, for example, part of part of the uh, process of that is not to pretend that we don't have fear, but to um, have courage when we feel fear. So, so allowing ourselves to have courage and to experience fear and to go forward even though when we're scared is building yeah. a sort of courage muscle, so to speak, and that's, that's building the virtue of courage. Yes. You know, I have to tell you, Mary Ellen, that all these years of this show, and it didn't take long after it started, um, it kept redefining itself. I have had, um, through different guests coming on this show and just through heartfully pondering it, um, the the title of the show can be somewhat misleading at times because I think that, and I keep, I've changed the description, I haven't changed it in a while, but I've changed the description in, in the past just to say that it's not about... It's not about dismissing that fear exists. You know, it's not about that. It's um, about um, it's about coming into a a a more mindful, heartful relationship with it. In a way, I guess it would be the best way I could say it. Um, yeah. You know, courageous has heart at the at the the core core core. You know, or, and I'm not the first to say that. And and so it's it's not so easily captured in words. And you said it quite well, I feel, um, in that, um, you know, yeah, there's something I want to capture here, and we're getting closer to the end, is, and I think that you do embrace this as well, is I think that part, and, and I'll try to phrase this as a question, is part of the messiness, but also the amazing transcendence, is it? There is inexplicable, and in some ways explicable because it's paradoxical, joy. I mean, you can be going through incredible life challenges, messiness, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. health issues, Mm -hmm. someone dear to you, loss, all kinds of things, and find this inexplicable joy. In the sacred, and that's the beauty and the the miracle to me of human life as well. Um, and 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 it, it, it's a very rich tapestry, and I think that you capture that too. It, it's all in there together. Right. That's that's the dance, isn't it? Yes. That's yes. the dance. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And. I love that there could be a dance of virtue and it could be free. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds totally paradoxical. And yet that's no, what that it is. No, that sounds great. Yeah. 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 
um, where because what is a dance, Marianne? You know, where you're you're kind of mindful. There are other people in the dance too in the world. You know, you're not Absolutely. just dancing by yourself. Although sometimes you are. You may be dancing with nature, dancing with spirit, sacred, the sacred. That happens, but um, that's a beautiful that that analogy comes up more and more than the notion of the dance, and and I love that. And it is, and as you say, it's a dance with all with all of what we um, experience, including loss. You know, and there's a way yeah. to to move through loss. Um, in you know, in the dance, loss is part of the dance, and we can find the miraculous in the in grace filled moments, even in horrible moments of loss. Yeah, because that's the dance is all of it. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. Very much so. And you know, here we are. We're we're in the last five minutes, and so um, I think we've kind of reached a good place to to wrap up for now. Although with these kinds of conversations, I think they could just continue. And and I just wanted to tell you that that I greatly appreciate you coming on this show. And I feel that what I said at the beginning about your book, Living Well, Living Wise, is it's not a book to just read and be done with. It it's one to really <laughs> keep exploring i mean it has it's a very rich book and i feel i've only brushed the surface of it myself and i want to thank you for your work and i want you to let people know where they can find out more about you okay and I, you know i appreciate what you just said too and i i sort of see my book i hope my book can be that something that people can go back to over and over again yeah. and um yeah. and find new nuggets so to speak um going back to it over and over again and thank you for letting people know where my um website my website livingwelllivingwise.com and then i also have a um professional facebook page which is mary ellen tron phd uh-huh. and 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 there i try to um post things in connection with the book um yeah. so it if anybody goes to my my professional Facebook page, um, they can see posts that are not from the book, but are uh-huh. more reflections in connection with the book. Yes, yes, and perhaps this is a good opportunity for me to let people know. Not not a lot of people have come to the um, Frontier Beyond Fear Facebook page, and I actually link to your page right now, and so that's a way to find both places and. Um, and so um, I I do have some awareness of that, and I look forward to exploring that. And I may even share things from your page from time to time because I'm glad to to know about it because I like to share oh, um, on the Frontier Beyond that. Fear page things. Thank from you. Them. I would yeah, appreciate that. I, I would love to do that. And you know, we're all in social media in different ways. I seem to be more on Twitter, um, and um, I put out the show there, and I invite people to find that as well. Um, and, you know, I hope that we can continue all the dance together, really, in all the ways that we can, because yeah. there are just so many ways yeah. of communicating in our world right now. Yes. So, and, Susan, so. thank you much, so much for even having the vision to have this show. Oh, well, um, I, you know, when it comes to guidance, I feel like I had to, it was, I, it's something I just felt in my heart, and it still develops, you know, it just keeps flowing it's in its sixth year now, and I'm really kind wow. of excited where it's going now. I mean, this is where I want it to go, right? This is it. Cool. This is it. This cool. is where I want it to go. Really. So here at the end, um, thank you again, Mary Ellen. I'm really happy to have you here and welcome you to the community of this show, and, and I would welcome you back. I may even start having group conversations sometimes on this show. That would be fun. Okay. Okay, get a, get a great. Few of well, us. thank you. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Well, Susan, thank you so much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. All right. Well, and me too, very much. So thank you again, and you take care. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Um, as the live show ends, thank you, live audience, for being here. Um, again, FrontierBeyondFear.com is your gateway to this show. will be up there for quite a while. I'll always be there in the archive. All the shows which have run the gamut, there's all kinds of things out there. Um, I invite you to go there. Um, Now I'm talking to the podcast audience, but those of you listening in the future, just a reminder that if you feel led to support the show, 
there are ways to do that on the FrontierBeyondFear.com site. Um, I do invite you to find us on Facebook. I'd really like this to become even more interactive as we go forward. Um, find the, the Facebook page. Find the Twitter page. Um, I, I am doing more with Twitter. I tend to do a little more. I'm going to try to do a little bit more with Facebook, too. Um, but I have a Twitter page, which is under my name, Bridge Builder. Um, it's up on the FrontierBeyondFear.com site. You can just click there, um, and it's spelled with um, Bridge, B-L-D-R. Um, Twitter page I've had for a while. I invite you to interact there. Um, same thing with Facebook. If you see something that you want to post to the community page for the Frontier Beyond Fear, please post it. I welcome that. Um, I'd love to see that become a little more of a community, which was always the vision for it. So um, as far as future shows, I may take a little break here for a little bit. I'm I'm really very serious about very heartfully going forward with this show in a way that is exploratory. And what that means is is it's not always going to have, you know, a a real defined set of answers because life isn't always like that. Life isn't like that. Life is an exploration. Life is a dance. And I want us to become into more honest relationship with our own authenticity, our own exploration of what is actually real and really looking at this relationship between co-creation and this greater will. What does it mean? A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that there's a greater we. That's an easy way to acknowledge it, that if you believe in the omnipresence of spirit or God or source, however you label it, you can begin to realize, if you really observe, that there is a greater we that goes beyond just my own individual experience as a human being and that that's influencing us. I mean, the world has things happening in it. There's the earth. There's there's the forces in the earth, different things that nature is doing. I mean, there are many things in this world that are part of a much larger reality, and yet there also are opportunities for co-creating things within our lives. I believe that. I've seen it. There are opportunities for the miraculous, and there's also messiness. It's both. It's all part of the dance. I love that term. It's come up before, um, and it's a really important way of thinking about it. So thank you again for being here today. And um, I will announce when the next show comes out. Um, I, I, I'm sure there will be shows coming up quite soon. I'm just, I'm just really looking at ways to expand. And so I'm going to very heartfully make some decisions about where these shows are going coming up. So um, take care, everyone. And um, I invite you to explore the archive as well. Have a wonderful day, evening, whenever this show finds you. Find that space of joy in the sacred and also find that space of simply being real as much as you can. As much as you can, just accept this is what it is to be human and be thankful to it is so very important because everything that's happening to you, every little bit, really is part of your relationship with the sacred, ultimately. That's what it is. And it's part of our greater relationship as a we, a greater we. That's what I feel. Take care. (laughs) 